0: Good evening and welcome. We just were wondering why there's a peacock on there. And so Sarah Googled it and we learned that the peacock is a symbol associated with resurrection. Uh, For various reasons, it was thought to uh, molt all of its feathers and then grow ones that were even more beautiful every single year. It was also thought to be able to eat poisonous serpents and so rid the world of that scourge. But mostly they're just really fabulous, and so they're seen as a symbol of that eternal, glorious resurrection. So, receive this welcome. Hear these words that God has to say to you. I am the God of the dusty miles, who sticks by your side and opens your eyes. You are welcome here. You are in the right place. In the bodies and spirits of each one here, I, your God, have given you enough for today. This welcome is a gift freely given that already lives in you, that will hold you tight and never let you fall. Welcome. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church on this second Sunday of the season of Easter. I am Allison Casello-Brookens. I'm the free-range... I guess I can take this off, right? I just thought of that. Uh, I am the free-range pastor who has been working with the worship team to plan this six-week series for the season of Easter. And so I'll be leading worship today, and I'm also leading the songs. And Sarah McDonald is preaching, and Aaron is on tech. So thank you. And Connie was playing music for us, and thank you to everyone else who has participated. If this is your first time worshiping with us, which I don't know, uh, in person or on Zoom, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Zoomers, there will be some particular ways for you to participate, so stay tuned. And I'll be saying more about our Easter season theme later in the service, but for now, let's welcome each other. So please stand as you are able, and let's form a circle. Make me part of the circle so that I can keep using the microphone. If you're someone who needs to sit, you can be on this side of the circle where, like, you can just cut through the chairs, wherever it makes sense. Stay six feet away from other households, and figure out a circle. You can make it bigger if you need to. Great. We're going to do this every week, so get some body memory of this of how we're going to be getting into this circle so we're going to name everybody who is here today Uh, those on zoom those are the the zoomers and those in the room the rumors so that we all know who we're worshiping with because the zoomers can't see the rumors and the rumors can see names of some of the some of the zoomers so Aaron can you please grab that mic and just read us the names of whoever is on zoom, which actually maybe we can see them all. But if not, read them all out. Is that all of them? Yes, you're seeing you're seeing everyone who is connected. We have Cheryl Toddy's household connecting. We have Rachel Stolpe's household connecting. Wendy's household is connecting. And then a connection from Gary Brunk and Joey Sprague is what I have on the screen. Welcome. And the camera's right there, so I can leave it there. And then we're gonna go around in a circle. And because I don't know everybody's names and because maybe some of you are newcomers, everybody's gonna say their name and I'm gonna repeat it into the microphone. So we have, I know Connie. So we have Connie. Lauren. Lauren. Or we can do that? All right. Connie.
1: Lauren. Reese. Jenny. Noel Micah Rebecca
2: Mandy Emma Laura
0: Eric Izzy Matthew Steve
3: Steve
4: <laughs> <laughs> Lori
3: Peter
1: John
0: Rachel. Ray? One more. One more. Oh. And Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. Thank you. Actually. huh? Yeah, could you take it back to the, the booth? And then Aaron is on in our tech booth. He's getting the mic right now. With the help of Steve, I just want to acknowledge <laughs> yeah, awesome. Aaron.: Okay. Thank you all. You are the right ones to be here today. So I'm going to teach you a song. And I'm not the greatest singer, um, but I really enjoy it. And we are practicing people, which is our theme for Easter. Uh, So I'm going to lead this song, and I hope that you like it. And I don't have a pitch pipe, but I have a pitch pipe app. (laughs) Mm, So listen, this is a type of singing called paperless singing. You'll notice you don't have hymnals. Uh, it's taught by ear. I'll teach you a line at a time. They're very simple. Uh, so just listen and jump in, or like listen and then when I prompt you, li- join in. So, mm. welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit. She is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. I'm going to teach you one line at a time. So listen. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the arms of God. Listen. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing, welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Sing, welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Listen. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome. welcome home. Let's put it all together. Make sure I'm on the right note still. Things just go better if I start on the right note. So, mm. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing, welcome to the spirit, she is burning even coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. I kept changing that lyric, so sometimes I forget it. Let's sing it now to each other, looking around at who is here. And then if we feel comfortable, we're going to break it into a round. So let's sing it through. Mm. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit. She is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Do you feel good singing it as a round? One more time. All right. Let's sing it two more times through. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Feeling good? All right. So let's just split it right down the middle. So Sarah, you come on my side, and uh, Emma and you guys move over there, and you guys move over there, all right. So you're gonna jump on the last word of each line. So it's like, welcome to the arms of, welcome to the arms of, welcome to the hands of, welcome. And so I'll I'll do my best to gesture to each side, and we'll see how it goes, all right? (laughs) So let's start with this side. Welcome to the arms of, Welcome to the hands of God. Sing welcome to the Spirit She sing welcome to the Spirit she welcome, welcome 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 Gwen, welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit She is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Thank you. All right. Now, before you sit down, we're going to pass the piece. All right. So, this is a really fun part. So, you're going to, we're going to throw peace balls to each other because we're not hugging, but we are going to throw peace balls. So, reach out your right hand, gather in a bunch of peace, and reach out your left arm and gather in a bunch of peace, and just like gather it all in. When you feel like you have enough, start squishing it down together. Come on, you got to make a peace ball. Squish squish it all down, squish it all into a little ball so you can throw it. And now pick someone across the circle that you want to throw your peace ball to. And you're gonna say their name and throw it. Also, Zoomers, you can do this too. If you turn on your cameras, you can throw the ball at the camera and say somebody's name. Zoomers, we can't hear you in the room, so feel free to unmute and do this with each other. We can't hear you, but you can hear each other, all right? So find somebody across the way. And ready, Micah, peace be with you! And they burst into confetti, and they fall all over all of us. So now we're gonna make some more of them and just throw them around at our own pace. It's gonna be cacophonous and loud, and that's okay. It'll be a holy cacophony, all right? So let's gather up some more peace. Make it into a ball. And throw it. Ray, peace be with you. And make another one. Emma, peace be with you. Make another one. Stevers,
3: peace be with you.
0: And having greeted each other, you may retake your seats. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, all through this season of Easter, we are going to be reading from two stories from the Bible. From the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, we'll be hearing about the time between the Israelites' escape from slavery in Egypt and when they received the law at Mount Sinai. This is a Jewish holiday called Shavuot. Uh, And then from the New Testament, we'll hear about the time between Jesus' resurrection and when the Holy Spirit arrived on the scene at Pentecost. So there are a few reasons that we're focusing on these stories. The first reason is because this Jewish holiday of Shavuot, which celebrates receiving the law, is the same holiday as Pentecost originally. So Shavuot means 50 because it comes 50 days after the escape from slavery in Egypt. So that's after the Passover meal. And Pentecost is just the Greek word for 50, like pentagram uh, five. So Pentecost is 50, so it's just the Greek word for 50. So it's the same holiday. It's the Greek name for that holiday. So it's 50 days from Passover to Shavuot, 50 days from Jesus' Last Supper to Pentecost. So we're doing some biblical literacy. Second, because both of these periods of time are full of wondering and wandering, the Israelites have just had this big thing happen. They've escaped from slavery, and they're trying to figure out what it means to be free people. And the disciples have just had a big thing happen. Jesus died and was resurrected, and they're trying to figure out what it means to be followers of the risen Christ rather than the dude Jesus. So we are a bit in a, a bit of a wondering, wandering time right now. We as we live into our third year of pandemic and with so many other big, hard things happening all around us. So how do we live? as a people who are free, as a people who follow the risen Christ, as a people thrashing our way through a global pandemic. And finally, we're reading these stories because these stories are of wildly imperfect people seeking to follow God's ways, just like we are. So all through Lent, we were seeking God's ways, and all of those ways are printed in your bulletin. They'll be there each week to remind us. But just because we're done with Lent, that doesn't mean that we know everything about these ways, that we know how to practice them. So during Easter, we're going to practice looking for and living God's ways. We are not a shiny, perfect people. We are practicing people, just like everyone in the Bible except maybe Jesus. So in the early planning brainstorming session we held a couple of months ago over in the conference room, Somebody, and I don't remember who, called these early followers of the risen Christ the clueless, fascinating, on-fire church. I loved that. I should patent that, whoever said that. So friends, we are in good company as we wander around this Easter season. Because just like the early Christians and just like the Israelites in the wilderness, we are the beautifully messy and messily beautiful practicing people of God. So let's see what we can learn from the clueless, fascinating, on-fire early church. So you might notice that all of the sections in the bulletin are called practicing. And this doesn't mean that we have no idea how to do any of these things. Uh, Remember that professional musicians and doctors practice. Uh, This is a reminder that we are always learning and all of these things that we do every Sunday are not just done because we do them. We're doing them because they're part of this bigger project of figuring out how to live as followers of Christ. So we're going to begin by practicing gratitude. So this is an open time for anyone. And just to make it more streamlined than passing the mic, just shout out something that you're grateful for, and I'm going to repeat it into the mic. Something big, something small. What are you grateful for today, this week? Sunshine, warm weather times two magnolia trees, magnolia trees. Safety. safety my mom's birthday today your what your wife's birthday i thought you said your horse's birthday so your wife's birthday today yay they share a birthday nearing the end of this
4: semester
0: nearing the end of the semester you can all make it visiting with aunt and uncle uncle. travel Travel and adventures Matthew, Izzy, Izzy, Anna, and Chris Emma Emma. And and Mandy choices, art, the ice age trail, Trail. pets, Pets. gardening, Gardening. yard work, work. huh, how strange. (laughs) (laughs) I want to teach you another song to say thank you for all of these things. This song comes out of the Native American church movement. Not that high. Mm. Thank you for this day, Spirit, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, Spirit, thank you for this day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. I thought the song was really smooshy when I first heard it. I thought it was too like cliched, and then I fell in love with it. So I hope that you like it too. Let's sing it together. I will, let's do it line by line again. So listen, thank you for this day, spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. This is fun, the fun part. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day This healing, this healing, this healing day Now let's sing it all together. Jump in as you can. If you make mistakes, yay. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this day, Spirit, thank you for this day Thank you for this day, Spirit, thank you for this day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This church. Thank you for this church. Spirit, thank you for this church. Thank you for this church, Spirit. Thank you for this church. This healing, this healing, this healing church. This healing, this healing, this healing, this healing church. The sun. Thank you for the sun, Spirit. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the sun, Spirit. Thank you for the sun. This healing, this healing, this healing sun. This healing, this healing, this healing, this healing sun. Amen. So, we are a practicing people. Part of our practice is being honest and practicing courage in naming and owning the places where we are not doing our best or are downright screwing up. Often this is called confession. We don't do this to wallow in our own sins and feel bad and sorry. We do this because by naming our sins and our failures, we come to see more clearly what is going on and ask for help when we need it. Until our eyes are opened, we cannot begin to do better. So in this confession, we are going to practice being fully present with these not so savory parts of ourselves and of our world. So I want to teach you another song that we're going to use each week. And we're going to sing it before and after our confession. It's one line. Well, it's one phrase. Here, right here, be right here are the words. I'm just gonna start singing it and you join in when you've got it when you feel it we're gonna sing this song speak a confession have some silence and then I'll come in with the song again
3: here right here be right
0: Join me in confession. God, you know us. You don't need us to tell you that we are not perfect. You already know the ways we have moved further away from the life you gave us to live. In this moment, let us be present to these parts of our lives with honesty. Let us lay down our shame and name before you the places where we need your help on this difficult journey. In silence, we bring before you what is weighing on our hearts. Dear practicing people, hear these words of grace. I am the God of the dusty miles who sticks by your side and opens your eyes. I say you are forgiven. This grace is a gift freely given that already lives in you, that will hold you tight and never let you fall. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.
3: Hallelujah, Hallelujah,
0: Hallelujah. I made an assumption that you knew that song. I hope you did. <laughs> well, there's a lot of me talking today. So the first scripture we're finally going to hear it from somebody else. The first scripture is from Exodus, and it starts right after the people of Israel have come safely through the Red Sea leaving their Egyptian pursuers and former enslavers drowned. Uh, And so before you get too judgmental about the Israelites in this story complaining about not having water, please note that they have been hiking for three days with no water and no destination. And they've been hiking with their elders and their children and everything they own. Uh, And you can only live for a few days without water. And so they are literally on the point of death and have no idea where they're going. Um, A side note. Bible trivia connection in the book of Ruth Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi renames herself Mara which means bitter and that's uh, because her life had been bitter and that's the same word you're going to hear in the Hebrew Bible story that they they call this place Mara because it's a place of bitter water so and then in the New Testament the story comes from Luke and it's the really well known um, road to Emmaus story. Uh, in luke 's version of the story, no one has actually seen the risen Christ yet. There was just an empty tomb and some angels on Easter morning, but no risen Christ in luke 's gospel. So these are two of jesus 's followers, Cleopas, Cleopas, and an unnamed somebody. Um, if you 've never heard of Cleopas, don 't worry. this is the only place he appears in the Gospels. Um, so uh, we 're going to hear those two stories, and then just a heads up i 'm going to ask you, what do you notice? afterwards so just listen thinking like what strikes me do we have scripture readers I'm not even sure if we that might have been my responsibility and I didn't realize it would anybody like to come and read scripture does anyone have a Bible I have them on my phone yeah okay Um, I saw two hands so why don't you come up and read the Hebrew scripture and then you come up and read the Luke so it's Exodus 15 22 to 27
1: All right. Then Moses ordered Israel to set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and that's why it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. How long do I read? Okay. There the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he put them to the test. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give heed to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will not bring upon you any of the diseases that I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and 70 palm trees and they camped there by the water.
2: Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them
0: in the breaking of the bread. Thank you all for being ready to jump up. Um, So usually at Milwaukee Mennonite, after the sermon, there's a time when we share prayer requests and reflections on the sermon or the service. Um, So today we're gonna separate those things out and into three different times. So first right now, name just what you noticed in the text. And then after the sermon, we'll pass the mic around and you can share reflections as we normally do. And then after that, we'll share prayer requests and pray together so for now just what jumps out at you from the text what stirs your curiosity you don't have to have any sort of particular point or conclusion just what do you notice and zoomers you can type in the chat and we'll have uh, if as they pop up Aaron just jump in and read just shout them out I'll repeat them into the mic what do you notice I noticed today like for some reason I haven't thought about it before they come back and they're like he has appeared to Simon. When did he appear to Simon? It's not in this story, and so I'm curious about that. What do you notice? Just shout it out. Go ahead. Maybe it's just the oh, phrasing of it, but that old passage part where God's like, if you do all this, then I won't send the disease. I said, if you hear me this sounds like a mafia protection racket. I'm to be shaking this business for uh, a uh, wondering why God is running a mafia protection uh, service for the Israelites, saying, If you do all these things, I won't do bad things to you. Well, then Jesus, uh, vanished. Jesus vanished. We notice Jesus vanishing, the disciples are excited, but might feel different to us having Jesus vanish. I wanna taste sweet water. Ooh, I wanna taste sweet water. How weird would it to be a Jew in Jerusalem mm-hmm. that you not a part of? How weird would it be to be a Jew in Jerusalem with all this drama that you're not a part of? I'm sure there are many more inside of us, but this is the way I like to read scripture and just like, what do you notice? What pops out? So now it's time for our children's time. Let's come on forward, anyone who'd like to. Are there any children on Zoom? If there is, um, just bring, put, turn your um, video on so I can know that you're here. Oh, you guys are right in front of me all right so we've got Micah and Emma Oh, that's that's right yes my name's is Allison with one L don't get it wrong so um, I want you to juggle juggle come on juggle why aren't you juggling oh you need balls oh hold on okay all right um, that's the problem um, there it is, okay, all right, so Micah, here you go. I solved your problem, please juggle. Why aren't you juggling emma can you can you juggle please what what's wrong? Why aren't you juggling? You don't know how, oh, you don't know how, okay, all right, so you hold two balls in your right hand and one ball in your left hand. You throw the right one up kind of to the left and you throw the left one up kind of to the right. And then while this one's falling down, you throw this other one and you catch that one and then you just like keep doing that, okay? Please juggle. Okay, do you need me to show you? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, I'll show you how to juggle, okay. Okay. Okay, all right, but don't drop them. That's not how you do. You don't drop them, all right? Okay? All right? Like that. Please juggle. <laughs> Emma, please juggle. <laughs> why why? Why can't you juggle? No. Have you ever practiced? That's your problem. It's because you've never practiced. You know, I learned to juggle when I was about your age, and it took me like two weeks of being in my room juggling, and then finally I could do it like this much, and that's what you saw me do is the most I can do, because I haven't practiced more. So the reason that you don't know how to juggle is not because there's something wrong with you, it's because you haven't practiced it, you haven't learned it, and it's kind of hard to do things that we haven't practiced. And so all through this Easter season, we're going to be talking about practicing, getting better at things that we maybe haven't tried much before and we're practicing specifically trying to get better at following Jesus and that means certain things means a lot of things but one of the big things it means is being there and taking care of people who are vulnerable so I was thinking about bullying which maybe you hopefully hasn't happened to you, but maybe you've seen it happening at school or you've talked about it at school. Is that something you've seen going on? When that's going on, like it's kind of hard to know what to do. And so one thing you can do is you can practice thinking about what you might do. So I need two volunteers, please. And one of them should be someone with no trauma around being bullied. <laughs> two volunteers, I've got one, two, all right, come on up. So if one of, one of you is gonna be the bully and one of you is gonna be the one who's getting bullied, okay, stand over, you stand, come on Come on over here. And just, just like, you can just like point and pretend to laugh, come on over here so the kids can see you, all right? So what's your name? Lauren, Lauren, Lauren and Laurie. Oh, maybe that's why you're getting bullied, because you have the same name. All right, so, all right, you like just like point and laugh at her. So we see this happening. What are some things that we could do? You could tell a teacher. You could punch the bully in the nose. Would that, would that help? Do you think that that is what Jesus would do? He tended not to be very violent. But that is an option. That's a thing you could do. You could go steal the bully's backpack to get back at them, but that's also not really a thing that Jesus would do. So you could tell a teacher, what are some other things? Yeah. I talked. to them. You talk to them. Which one? Um, the one who's bullying. The one who's bullying. What, what, what might you say? I would say that's not okay. That's not Okay. That's a really good thing to practice saying. Let's go practice it. Come on, stand up. So this thing is happening. Let's come over here. Let's come stand next to her and say, say to her, say that's not okay. It's
3: not okay. Hmm?
0: Micah, (laughs) Micah, you say it too. That's not okay. What else might we say to her? That's mean. You want to say that? Yeah. (laughs) And then let's say, come on, let's go. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So you practice these kind of things because it's not really natural to go and help somebody like that. But if you think about it in your head, like, oh, what might I do, what could I do? Another thing you could do is go tell a teacher. And if you practice thinking about what you might do, then when it happens, you'll be more ready for it. And it's still, you might not do it perfect the first time, but each time you try it, just like with the juggling, you gotta practice. All right, thank you, you can go sit down. And I think it's time for our sermon.
4: Come on up, Sarah. So as we have heard, our theme for the Easter season we've just entered is we are the beautifully messy and messily beautiful practicing people of God. So far in this service We have practiced welcome, we've practiced gratitude, we've practiced courage and listening and standing up to bullies. And with all this emphasis on practice, perhaps it's no surprise that this week, as I was pondering what I might share in the reflection today, the phrase that kept running through my mind was practicing resurrection, which begs the question, what on earth does it actually mean to practice resurrection anyway? I suspect this is not a question that would have occurred to me as a child growing up in the church, where resurrection was talked about really as a supernatural action that Jesus did through his divine power an action Jesus did a few times in his ministry to or for other people, as he brought back to life people who had recently died, such as Lazarus. But mostly, I heard about resurrection as the triumphant action that Jesus took three days after his crucifixion, his miraculous return to life. Accomplished, really, when we think about it, quite quickly. The entire story moves from Jesus being buried at the end of the day on Friday to being alive again by dawn Sunday morning when the women go to his tomb and find it empty. In this story, there is no place for the kind of practicing that Allison was describing in the children's time really no place for a learning curve or for those initial awkward failed attempts when we're trying to do something we're not yet very good at. Instead, what I was taught in the church pushed me to think about resurrection as an immediate one-and-done kind of action. Jesus was dead, and now, hallelujah, he has brought himself back to life. I don't want to disparage this way of theologizing resurrection. I do think it offers us some valuable insights into who Jesus was and what his ministry was about. However, today I'd like to invite us to ponder resurrection from another angle, an angle that I hope will be helpful to us, especially as we lean into our identity as a practicing people of God, simultaneously messy and beautiful. So to ponder resurrection through this lens, let's turn to the two scripture texts that we heard read aloud and consider what they might show us about being people of God. And just a heads up, I'm probably not going to answer any of the questions that were coming to your mind (laughs) as you shared your noticings about these texts. When I looked at the text for this Sunday, it didn't surprise me to find this story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus showing up as the gospel text. After all, today is the second Sunday of Easter. Last week, on Easter Sunday, we were focused on what occurred that first Easter morning. And now today, we're spending time with a story from the afternoon of that same day. However, this story from Exodus 15, yeah, it's a story that's familiar to me, but not one that I had ever really pondered much or, I'll be honest, had much desire to preach on. It just seemed like one of so many Exodus stories about the Israelites wandering in the desert and complaining about the conditions there. And I admit that I was initially baffled as to why Allison had chosen this text to pair with the gospel story. And I'm not sure that I even now know what was in your mind, Allison. But I sat with these two texts this week, and I began to see points of resonance between them. Both of them are stories of people who first are journeying, and second, who are doing so in distress. They have moved from jubilation and hope to having those hopes dashed. So first, let's consider the larger context of what the Israelites have been experiencing leading up to the story we just heard, this incident of the bitter water in the desert. For years, the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt, enduring brutal, hard, physical labor. They were so despised and feared by the Egyptians that Pharaoh had attempted to commit genocide against them by ordering all the Israelite baby boys to be killed. Yet at last, Pharaoh and the Egyptians had been so devastated by the ten plagues that not only had Pharaoh finally agreed to let the people go, but their Egyptian neighbors had even sent them off with gold and silver. And then there was the dramatic showdown at the Red Sea, with Pharaoh and his army in hot pursuit after the Israelites, cornering them between the army and the Red Sea in front of them, And in this desperate situation, the waters had parted before the Israelites, enabling them to cross through on the other side. And then the waters had drowned the army in pursuing them, their enemy of so many years. And so Exodus 15 opens on this high note with Moses and Miriam and the people performing the most exultant victory, song, and dance. They have escaped from the oppressive powers. And then we come to the text we listen to. They have been trekking through the desert for three days without water now, and they arrive at Mara with its springs of water, and turns out that water is undrinkable. The people have gone from the heights of joy and triumph to despair that they are about to die of thirst. Is it any wonder that they're complaining? And if we look at the story from Luke's Gospel, it's different, and yet there is kind of a similar emotional pattern. As the text opens, we see two disciples walking the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a village seven miles away. One of these disciples is identified as Cleopas. The other is unnamed in this text. However, an interpretation that I find plausible, that I like quite, quite a lot, is that this second disciple is Cleopas' wife, who in John's Gospel is identified as Mary, one of the women who stood near the cross. And I mention this detail because I think it can help us better fill in the likely backstory for these two disciples. Probably Mary and Cleopas live in the village of Emmaus, and they had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, likely with Jesus and other disciples. Perhaps they were even present at the Last Supper in the upper room, this Passover meal with their leader. From John's Gospel, at least, we can surmise that they, or Mary anyway, were part of the group of Jesus followers who watched the crucifixion while the more prominent twelve disciples ran away. So two days earlier, they were enduring the trauma of seeing their leader tortured and executed as a political insurgent. Yesterday, they had spent the Sabbath mourning and in hiding, likely fearing for that knock on the door that would be their own arrest. And then this Sunday morning, they were baffled by this strange story of an empty tomb, a story which really hasn't resolved anything for them. It has only deepened their grief and bewilderment like the israelites cleopas and mary have gone in the space of just a few days from the heights of hope and expectant celebration to fear and despair and we can hear this in the lucan text notice as they are explaining the recent events to this oddly, uninformed stranger that they've encountered on the road. Notice how they describe Jesus as a prophet mighty in word and deed, and then add, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Had hoped. And that hope has been dashed. I think there's another similarity between these two stories from Exodus and Luke. And that is that it's easy to read them in hindsight and chastise these people of God for not having enough faith to see beyond the bleakness of their immediate circumstances. In fact, in the Lucan narrative, the writer does exactly this and even puts those words into Jesus' mouth. As Jesus says to these disciples, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Honestly, this line makes me cringe every time I read this story. And I want to push back and say, really, Jesus? The prophecies are as clear as all that? Hmm. But I will admit that when it comes to the Israelite people, I have my own tendency to read them as being foolish and slow of heart. As I read these Exodus stories of how over and over again they are complaining about their conditions in the desert, even at times wishing themselves back into slavery in Egypt. And I wonder, will they ever learn? After all, we read these stories in hindsight, and we know that the dangerous conditions, the fear, the despair that the people are experiencing in this moment are not the end of the story. And not just in the larger biblical narrative arc, but in each of these texts that we heard tonight, by the end, conditions have changed dramatically. By the end of the Exodus story, the Israelites are camped at an an oasis of 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And at the end of the Gospel story, Cleopas and Mary are racing back to Jerusalem with the joyous news that, yes, Jesus is alive and they've seen him. The thing is, we may read these stories in hindsight. But that is not how any of us live our lives. Most of us, I imagine, can identify with the Israelites in the desert, encountering the bitter water, or with these disciples on the road to Emmaus, in grief and bewilderment and dashed hopes. We can identify with these moments of facing a challenge that is painful, that is incredibly scary, that is so hard. For us, it might be a medical diagnosis that was not the news we wanted to hear. Or a health condition. That we expect to get worse, not better. It might be trying to care for someone we love who needs help, and yet it doesn't feel like our efforts are making anything better. It might be fighting for social or political change Well. Day after day, we see politicians working to pass obscene laws to not only maintain injustices, but to roll back civil rights that were gained years or decades ago. When we are journeying through what we might call these wilderness periods, we don't know the end of the story. And this is when we are called to practice resurrection. And I'm not talking about the three-day triumphant, all-powerful reversal that was my childhood understanding of Jesus' resurrection. Rather, I'm talking about the kind of practicing Allison was describing during the children's time, that hard work of trying to do something we don't feel very good at, practicing that feels like attempting to juggle and just dropping the balls, and then picking them up and trying again, and doing this over and over and over. What I'm talking about is the hard work of daring to stay open to hope and to joy, even when what we're witnessing and experiencing would urge us otherwise. And what I'm talking about is the hard work of accompanying others through their wilderness periods when we can't simply make things better for them, and yet we choose to stay present with them anyway. This is the hard work of practicing resurrection. I want to close this reflection by referencing a poem by Wendell Berry. And any of you who know this poem have probably been waiting through my entire reflection for me to bring it up. But if you're not familiar with Wendell Berry, he is a writer who works in various genres, including poetry, and he's also a longtime farmer, environmentalist, pacifist, and nonviolent activist. His work in life and on the page focuses on care for the earth and care for local communities. One of his best known poems is entitled Manifesto The Mad Farmer Liberation Front. And already, the overtly political language of the title signals that this is a poem of social and political resistance. The opening lines of the poem I hear as a warning that if we structure our lives to prioritize financial gain and security, we will end up being used by oppressive systems of unregulated capitalism and corrupt power as the poem says, when they want you to die for profit, they will let you know. But then the poem pivots, and the next lines go like this. So, friends, every day, do something that won't compute. Love the Lord. Love the world. Work for nothing take all that you have and be poor love someone who does not deserve it the poem continues in this vein urging us to take actions that may seem counterintuitive such as ask questions that have no answers and be joyful though you have considered all the facts as well as actions that require us to care far beyond the limits of our own lives, actions such as invest in the millennium, plant sequoias. And then finally, the closing lines of this poem acknowledge how crazy or mad all these actions may seem. The poem finishes, be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary some in the wrong direction practice resurrection this is messy work and it is hard work and it is also beautiful and hopeful work and so may god be with us as we try to practice resurrection
0: Let's gather all of these things, spoken and unspoken, before God. God, we have so few ways to pray, but you have so many ways to answer. Keep us alert to your unpredictable answers to your unexplainable surprises. And by your grace, make us some of those surprises for the sake of the one who taught us the surprises of moving mountains, healing touches, wondrous stories, great banquets, first suppers, broken bread, crosses, and resurrections. Amen. All right. Well, then please stand once more and move into a circle to say farewell to each other. I told you you were going to need to remember how to make this circle. All right, this is a song with a refrain, and then the verses, I will sing the words and you'll sing the same line back so uh, you don't need to learn a ton of words. But the chorus goes, mm-hmm. you gotta get up and go out of this place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place, get up, go out and live. So that's it, you sing that twice. So do you need me to, I sounded like you're already getting it already, so let's just sing it again, so. Mm -hmm. You gotta get up and go. Clap if you want to. This place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. So that's the chorus. And then I'm gonna sing a line, and you're gonna respond with, get up, go out and live. So it's that that last line. Um, And I have two, there's two lines. So I'll sing a line, you sing get up, go out and live. I sing another line, you do that again, we go back to the chorus. Uh, So let's see how it goes, all right? Mm -hmm. You gotta get up and go out of this place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place, get up, go out and live. Your God came that you might have life Get up, go out, and live It's full of light that you just can't hide Get up, go out, and live Refrain. You gotta get up and go Out of this place Get up, go out, and live You gotta get up and go Out of this place Get up, go out, and live won't be easy you're gonna be scared get up go out and live look around there is hope out there get up go out and live you gotta get up and go out of this place get up go out and live you gotta get up and go out of this place get up go out and live So take a step and raise your voice Get up, go out and live Don't have to be perfect to sing and rejoice Get up, go out and live You gotta get up and go out of this place Get up, go out and live You gotta get up and go out of this place get up go out and live one more time you gotta get up and go out of this place get up go out and live you gotta get up and go out of this place get up go out and live my dear clueless fascinating on fire people get up and go out of this place practice and play with power in all your glorious imperfections. Go.